0: We've spent a lot of time with the Gospel of Luke in the past ten months. As we've discussed before, Luke is among other things. The Gospel of women, the Gospel of the Holy Spirit, and the Gospel of social justice. But for the next three weeks, there's another theme that really comes to the fore. Luke is the Gospel of prayer. Christians are always talking about prayer, but to me, most of the talk is not that useful. Our public discussion about prayer seems to revolve around three topics. One, prayer is really important. Two, you should pray more than you currently do. And three, I have a specific way of praying that works for me, so you should pray the same way. But it seems as if we rarely talk about how to pray, which is an absolute shame since the church has a remarkable variety of prayer traditions. One of my personal missions is to help people become more comfortable with prayer. I'm always glad to meet with someone to help them figure out how prayer can become more natural for them and less of a burden. If you'd like to get together and talk with me, just call the office or send me an email. And yes, even if you're under the age of 40, there is nothing in canon law to stop you from taking a bulletin with you today. For the next three weeks, my homilies will revolve around different aspects of prayer. Today, both the first reading and the gospel tell of people being cured of leprosy, but I don't think that's the main point. Let's concentrate on the idea of gratitude. Both stories point out that gratitude and faith are inseparable from one another. Somehow, I received a lightning bolt call to consider becoming a priest when I was 27 years old, even though I didn't learn much of anything practical about praying until I was 30. When I was 30, on that first night of the first personal retreat I ever made, my director invited me to keep a journal, and he introduced me to a short article about how to pray with sacred scripture. That was the start. In the next few years, I went out of my way to learn more about various ways to pray. I found myself a spiritual director. And then there was a Paulist, whom some of you here may have known, Bob Moran. He taught me how to do centering prayer. I participated in groups that prayed through Letzio Divina, the Rosary, and Eucharistic Exposition. I had the opportunity to observe one of the country's best liturgical choreographers, I studied the spiritualities of several Paulist patron saints, especially Francis de Sales. I don't have a whole lot of books on my shelves regarding prayer, and most of the ones that I have are slim, less than a hundred pages. And the pages to which I refer in those books are few and far between. The titles might give you a sense of how eclectic I am. When God is Silent living simply in an anxious world. Of course, the Paulist prayer book, the spirituality of imperfection, praying our experiences, the power of focusing, the holy longing, the dark night of the soul, and of course, Christian prayer for dummies. (laughs) Here are two favorites that I've borrowed from the library upstairs. And there are several shelves there that you are welcome to borrow books as well. Sadana, the Wounded Healer. I tell you this for the exact opposite reason for what you may expect. I'm here to tell you that prayer is not complicated. It's extremely simple. The founder of the Paulist Fathers, servant of God, Isaac Thomas Hecker, said that with practice... Prayer should become as easy as breathing. The key to prayer is to show up. Woody Allen once said, showing up is 80% of my life. Now, I don't usually look to Woody Allen for spiritual advice. But he's on to something here. In prayer, showing up is at least 95% of the work Matthew Kelly, a well-known Catholic motivational speaker, says that there are two secrets to having a profound spiritual life. The first secret of prayer is to have a routine. Show up to pray at the same time every day. I like to tell people, don't be a superhero. Pick the easiest time of day for you. A time when you're available to yourself. A time at which you usually have energy. As long as we show up to pray, it's pretty hard to mess things up. There is only one thing that can really sabotage our time in prayer, and that's trying to evaluate how well we're praying. Once we start evaluating how we're praying, we're no longer praying. This is where Matthew Kelly's second secret comes in. Have a routine within your routine. That is... When you show up to pray, have a few prayer techniques to choose from. Then just settle into the routine and don't judge how well you're doing it. These days, three of my main prayer practices are journaling, the Ignatian Exam, and something that therapist Bob Wicks created called the idealized Christian self-image. We do a lot of prayer with the 12 men and women considering becoming Catholic through our RCIA process. Two weeks ago, we invited parishioners Bill and Kathy Toth to come to RCIA to talk about the basics of prayer. Kathy put it this way, prayer is a practice. It's not about waiting around for the Holy Spirit to inspire us. It's about setting up a discipline, praying for a few minutes every day. One image about prayer that speaks to people is having a conversation with God in a similar way to having a conversation with a very close friend. That's a great analogy, if we follow it through. With good friends, you keep in regular contact. In each individual conversation with your good friend, you don't need to check in every three minutes to ask if the other person is listening. You know that they're listening. And sometimes with the best of friends... Words are not always necessary. We can often strengthen our friendships just by sitting in silence. So it should be in prayer, in our conversations with God. We don't need to demand extraordinary revelations from God every time we pray. We just need to spend time with God. At this point, you know, I usually have a four-page homily, I'm at the bottom of page three, You may be wondering how I'm going to relate this to our gospel today. Rest assured, here it comes. In the United States, this passage is read almost every year in most Catholic parishes on Thanksgiving Day, which is a big clue to its main point. The engineer and rule follower in me had always struggled with this gospel passage until I was forced to preach on it on Thanksgiving Day last year, the other nine men with leprosy didn't do anything wrong, did they? They followed the directions of Jesus in the Torah. Go show yourself to the priest to be declared clean. Here's the catch. There was nothing in the Torah, or in what Jesus said, that insisted that the men with leprosy were to do nothing else before they went to the priest. The Torah only required them to go to the priest before they could return to living in the, with the rest of the community. Remember, as lepers, they had been separated. But Jesus was passing by the town. If they didn't stop what they were doing right then and return, they would never have a chance to express their gratitude to him. Gratitude only happens when we place something besides ourselves at the center of our concern. And the only way we can gain the ability to stop fixating on our own concerns is to have faith. The ability to be grateful is a sign of having faith. Faith and gratitude are inseparable. Both require us to have humility, to realize that our own concerns are secondary to God's concerns. Faith prompts us to pause from our worldly concerns to make time for God. Hmm... What's another word for pausing from our worldly concerns to make time for God? Prayer. If you still feel that you don't know how to pray, here's an easy way to start in two simple steps. One, schedule five minutes a day at the same time every day to be with God. Two, for those five minutes, give thanks to God for all that you have received. If we would simply express our gratitude to God on a regular basis, our prayer would soon become as easy as breathing.